Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who work to protect life from fertilization and natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart, and got Brian in studio with me for uh, Brian Myers for a second week in a row. He's very excited about this. So, <laughs> who's that guy over there? As well, and of course, Ron, Ron at the boards. I don't think we've been happen. formally introduced. That's good. Why That's, is that good? Well, I don't like to stand on formality. Okay, then. <laughs> so I shouldn't have talked to this I'm guy. sleep deprived. Why, you have yeah. to forgive me. Why sleep. do we talk to this guy? Well, we always need more Ron. <laughs> yeah. So, Hey, I, I got a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. All right. Uh-oh. Quick story, folks. Normally, when I'm on the show anyway... And I'm not the, even sure what this is about, so I'm like <laughs> scared. Normally, when I do the, the, uh, or do the show with Shane, <laughs> I do the production notes. Which is probably why the shows are typically warped when I'm on the show. Anyway, when I do them, they're, I don't know, three, four pages long. But Shane knew I was going to have a crazy week this week, so he did them this week. So I open up uh, the, uh, the production notes on Google Drive, which is where we keep them. Open those up last night, and there's like 12 pages in there. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this, Vanderhart? Well, it's good. <laughs> It's it's because you know I, I I know for one thing you unlike me I I use my laptop you just print everything out I want to make I'm sure old you had school. I wanted to make sure you had the text of the the articles and oh, things that we're okay. going to write so you were so looking out for me I was right? I did it for uh, you I could just put a link in there for me I don't I didn't need to do you know, all, all right that. all right so just all, right. all for you Brian all for you what are we doing on the show today anyway well we have a special guest on on uh, the line with us Kimberly Arms Shirk she began her uh, broadcast career as an editor and photographer for Fox 42 in Omaha, Nebraska. Are, are you a, a Huskers fan by chance? Duh. Are you kidding? Duh. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you had been reformed by not, now, but okay. But <laughs> anyway, she, she quickly transferred to reporting and producing, and she helped start uh, the ABC affiliate in Lincoln, Nebraska, as a, and she was a morning anchor and one-man band reporter and continued her career in Des Moines, Iowa, where a lot of our listeners probably are familiar with her at, at WOI-TV5 as a reporter and photographer until 1997. Since then, uh, she's been a mar- senior marketing advisor for Talent Plus, a motivational speaker. And just last year, you had a book uh, c- come out called Remote, Remote Fears and Silver Linings. Uh, welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts uh, Radio, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I didn't know if that question was directed at me or not, but um, that's a no-brainer here in Nebraska. We <laughs> you, are always Husker fans. <laughs> that's true. You kind of, it, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was hoping maybe your time in Iowa would have, you know, helped. Can I point out that, that every question we ask is a no-brainer? <laughs> well, that's true <laughs> by well, definition. Nice for Iowa too. You all were too great to me for me to ever forget that. So um, I'm, I'm a dual. Fan. No, okay. we, no, 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 Kim, you do not want to root for Iowa. You want to root for Iowa State. Okay? Just, okay. No, you have her. Right. You and I need to have a talk. Next time I'm in Lincoln, I'll stop by and, and we'll, we'll get this sorted out. What about you that and I? Good. Never mind. 
I'm I'm the, hoping the streak of uh, Husker disappointment will continue when they play Iowa again this year. But oh hey. no, okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kim. We probably better get uh, get to some serious stuff here. You were on the show almost exactly one year ago. That was August 27th of last year. You remember that? I absolutely do. How could you yeah. forget, right? <laughs> but we're we're having you on again today because the twentieth anniversary of a life-changing event for you is coming up this Sunday, September 3rd. Can you tell us about what happened that day? I can. I actually can tell you more from eyewitness accounts than I can from my own personal memory, but I was working at WITV5, and a colleague of mine, uh, I was working as a photographer that day, and a colleague of mine had another photographer called off to a fire, um, actually, and was running around the station at Channel 5 that day and said, um, I said, what's going on, David? And he said, I don't know how I'm going to get this live shot done. My photographer just got called away. And I looked at the reporter I was working with. We had finished our story for that day. And I said, um, are you good? She said, yes. And I said, David, no problem. I can help you. And um, that's the last thing that I remember about September 3rd, um, mm. 1997. So we went out to the story, drove out there, um, uh, uh, my colleague accidentally raised the mast into uh, 13,000 volt electrical lines. And when I went to help him, I was injured as well. So we were both injured that day. A uh, snap second decision that changed my life forever. Well, Kim, just so our listeners can get a sense of, of what you went through, can you tell us how many surgeries that you endured over how long a period of time? Yeah, so the accident was September 3rd, 1997, and I had 28 surgeries over the course of the next four and a half years. Wow. <laughs> it was a long road to recovery. Four and a half years, that's just, that's, that's unthinkable. Oh, so you decided almost two decades later to write a book about all this. Now that's, you know, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I think the um, thought about writing a book came probably earlier. The okay. execution just didn't, and I'll tell you why. Um, I always thought um, once I, I had children, and I have three children now, I thought, when is the time as parents that we go back and tell our children about the worst possible time in our life and how we got through it? And isn't that what we always want for our children? So I think the uh, once I had children, the thought of making this into a book really started to form. But as I would share my story with other people, I would just get this um, great reaction. People would share stories about struggles they were going through or obstacles they were facing. And I just started getting this feeling like this is so much bigger than me sharing a story with my children. And that was the motivation last year to actually finish finish the publication of the book. So your original motivation or your original uh, thought on this came much, much earlier. You know, I, I've always been a writer ever since I was a very young child. And um, because I love to write, that was the way I processed my accident once I was able to write again. But this is um, a big I, undertaking to write a book. It is. It is. But I feel like sometimes life throws messages and lessons learned at you that just have to be shared. And um, the motivation for me is that everyone's going to go through an obstacle. Everyone's going to face something in their lifetime, whether it's an illness or the death of a loved one or the loss of a job or, or just a feeling of loneliness or hopelessness. And if I can help one more person take one more step and find some hope in the day, 
then my life will be completely fulfilled if I can help one more person do that each day. Okay, so that being the case, that's a good segue to this. How did the title of the book come about? The title is a great story. I shared my story in Florida many years ago. My husband's grandmother lived in Florida part of the year, and they actually had a, like a small television station that would broadcast to their retirement community. And I shared the story with um, a gentleman who had been a producer in television. And we finished the segment, and we were just talking about you know, why I wrote the book and why, or I, at the time, actually, I was writing the book. And, um, and he said, I have the title for your book. And I said, you do. And he said, absolutely. He said, remote fears and silver linings. And so the remote fears is from the remote live truck. Right. And then just that sense of the fact that um, these things that happen to us are unexpected. You know, my accident was unique in so many different ways, but anything that comes unexpected in your life is kind of a remote fear. You don't think about it every day, but all of a sudden you're faced with it. And the silver linings just had to be a part of it because it's how I got through each and every day of those four and a half years. It's how I continue to get through my life today. If something is facing me that I am struggling with, I look for the silver linings. I literally look up at clouds. My kids are... Um, they know that if there is a beautiful silver lining up in the sky, I'm going to literally pull over on the side of the road and everyone's going to get their <laughs> phones out and take a picture. So uh, it's how I live my life. <laughs> you're, li- you're listening to Caffeinate Thoughts Radio, and on the line we've got uh, Kimberly Armstirk, the uh the author of, or excuse me, Shirk, not Stirk, the author of Remote Fears and Silver Linings. Go ahead, Brian. So, Kim, uh, tell us what's actually covered in the book. Tell, tell our listeners when it starts, when it stops, and so on. So it starts actually before the accident because my career path was television journalism, and I was always struck by the stories that I could tell of other people. And so it actually starts with a pretty startling story of um, uh, an execution, believe it or not. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but... Um, The thoughts, the feelings, the things that were going through my head the day that I was covering that story as an anchor in reflection, you know, 20 years ago now, um, just made such an impact on me that I felt like I had to start the book there. And then I walk you through um, a little of the day-to-day in journalism, and then I literally walk you through those four and a half years, almost five and a half, or almost five years um, of my life. And it's, um, it's everything from how I dealt with uh, the career change that I was going to ultimately have, um, the friendships and family um, connections that I had. I think you really get, I hope that you get a real feel for the love and support of my family that surrounded me. I think you get a great taste of the faith part of my story that just was my everyday reliance and um, and I hope at the end, the entire story becomes this story of hope and seeing all of these silver linings that helps me get through the, the, the real drudgery of some of those days. Because, um, ladies and gentlemen, I know if you've had one surgery, it's tough. And if you think about 28 compounded on top of each other, there were some tough times. Yeah. And so, um, so I hope that literally down to the last word of the last chapter, it's then a story about hope and and how you pull yourself out of those dark places. So, Kim, I, I want to come back to your family here in just a moment, but but I have to ask this question first. Were the darkest days for you early on, or was it actually later on in the reconstructive surgery process? 
You know, I actually think it was later on. I think early in those days, I was just trying to grasp, A, what had happened, because I told you I don't actually remember what happened. Right. And so processing that, and then the physical toll of just trying to learn everything. I mean, I had to relearn how to swallow, how to write, how to speak, how to walk. All of those things are so um, all-encompassing that I think it was just, okay, get through this day, get through this next hour, get through this next surgery early on. And I think um, the mental part of getting through something like this is really, really challenging. And I think when you have time to process, not just getting through the day, but when you have time to process, what does this mean for me? And what does this look like? What is this new normal that I'm facing? Those Those can be some of the most challenging times. Talk about your husband, Chad, for a moment. What did he mean to you during that time? Uh, I, oh, I don't even know how to answer that question. Chad is the most optimistic, positive person I have ever met in my life. And thank God that he knew exactly who to put me with. We literally, we got married June 28th of 1997. So we, we went on our honeymoon. We came back. I started work. And a month later, this is what we were faced with in the first part of our marriage. Wow. And Chad's optimism, the way his faith grew aside from mine, because I was in the throes of just fighting for my life, um, and then for him to come alongside me and bring that positivity, bring those silver linings along with him, and say, you know, in the toughest days, nope, here we go, you know, you're here, and we're moving on. (laughs) And it was exactly what I needed. So um, that that is God's infinite planning to know exactly the perfect person to put beside you. And it's been 20 years for us now, just as it's been 20 years since this accident. And um, we are still celebrating life together every day. Time is flying by. We've got about three minutes left, Kim. Uh, But I do want you to talk about your mom and dad, but the same question, what did they mean to you during that time? Oh, that is, um, that is a priceless gift. My mom is a nurse, a trained nurse, and to see how she could come alongside me with knowledge and wisdom and care um, during that time was um, just completely impactful. I mean, she just was there every single moment of every single day with all of the questions and the concern and the empathy. And my dad, my dad, his faith grew leaps and bounds, um, and that was so exciting. I'm getting a little emotional with that. Um, I lost my dad a couple, three years ago, actually, to pancreatic cancer. And his strength was what got me through. He has a go-to attitude, and he just took the bull by the horns, and he walked me through it. And to see him grow in that time, I think it prepared him for the battle he was going to face. And so um, wow. just incredible. I am, I am blessed beyond words to have the family that surrounds me every day. All right, one more big question here. We've got about a minute and a half left. You speak in the book of choosing light, choosing optimism, choosing laughter, and finding the sunshine. But you also quote Isaiah 48.10, which is, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. So tell us about finding the sunshine from the furnace of affliction. We've got... About a minute, you can talk about that. Okay. You know, you know, you have a choice every day. You have a choice to um, live in what is difficult and what is um, 
painful and what is hard and what um, can really bring you down, or you have a choice to find one thing. And maybe it's a blooming flower, or maybe it's the silver lining cloud that I pull over and make my kids watch, or maybe it's the smile of a colleague who doesn't know how hard of a day you're having, but just decided to give you a smile. Or maybe it's a personalized note that you leave for someone. Or maybe it's just picking up the phone and say, hey, I was thinking about you or texting. (laughs) I guess that's the the mode we're in today. Right. But those one thing, that's one thing that you can hold on to. And when it doesn't seem like you can find those, I find faith in God and his perspective, which is always 10,000 feet and much higher than ours. Where can people connect with you really quick? Got about 20 seconds. Absolutely. KimberlyShirk.com. You can find all of the information on purchasing the book or reaching out to me. I love to speak to people. I love to share my story. So I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks, Kim. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, You know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, Or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Caffeine Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold, a modern woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029, and he can help you find the life insurance you need, as well as Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, another sponsor who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515-635-5400. Six five or go to crosswalkcounseling.org. Do you, we have to say something here when the bumper music is deep purple. I mean, this this is ah. impressive. <laughs> I was digging that bass line, you know. Yes, that was one of the selections I sent to Ron. That's as right. Bumper music because we needed a, we needed a really you know class up. Smoke on the water, Mister mm-hmm. Vanderhart. Yep. Wow. Well, you know, I knew that appeal to you, and it bring it'd bring you back to your to your uh, child. Well, he's walking. Back yeah, away. I was in high school. High school, okay. And that's one of those, Ron. Is that one of those songs that if you got a nickel for every time you played it, you'd be a wealthy man? Actually, no. We avoided that song like the plague. Did you really? We would actually start the intro of it and then go, "Ah, oh, we don't know this one," and then we would play something different. Oh. <laughs> I, I have played that song more times than I 
care to admit. But okay, I guess we didn't come here to talk yeah, we're about not, that. Yeah, we were talking. Let's talk about our bumper music all segment long. <laughs> um, this week, with the Council of uh, on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood uh, released a statement that was developed uh, during the they they had a meeting a, a coalition meeting of different evangelical pastors and leaders. Uh, at the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptist Conventions Conference. They have an ERLC uh, has a conference every year. This year, the focus was on parenting. Uh, it was in Nashville, Tennessee, and they, they came up with a new document. This is like, uh, this is the 30th anniversary of Council uh, on Womanhood, or excuse me, on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Um, they initially were launched with a statement called the Danvers Statement, uh, so they wanted to revisit some things, uh, not to change, is more affirm uh, that they still believe what they, you know, in uh, the what the Bible has to say about uh, marriage, what it has to say about manhood, what it has to say about womanhood, and specifically they they also wanted to address the whole transgender issue. The um, this Nashville statement is called. In the preamble, they they write, uh, This secular spirit of our age presents a great challenge to the Christian church. Will the church of the Lord Jesus Christ lose her biblical conviction, clarity, and courage, and blend into the spirit of the age? Or will she hold fast to the word of life, draw courage from Jesus, and unashamedly proclaim his way as the way of life? Will she maintain her clear countercultural witness to the world that seems to be bent on ruin? We are persuaded that faithfulness in our generation means declaring once again the true story of the world and of our place in it, particularly as male and female. And then they later on say in the preamble, we believe that God's design for his creation is way of salvation served to bring him the greatest glory and bring us the greatest good. God's good plan provides us with the greatest freedom. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it overflow, have it in overflowing measure is for us and not against us. Therefore, in the hope of serving Christ's church and witnessing publicly to the good purposes of God for human sexuality revealed in Christian scripture, we offer the following affirmations and denials. And uh, basically they have 14 affirmations and 14 denials that are coupled. Um, Here's the thing. The left went totally nuts about this. And reading through, it doesn't really say anything new uh, it, it's merely an right. a, it's it, it, it's an affirmation of what the church has always believed about human sexuality about manhood about womanhood um it should have come as no surprise right. that, I, that a group of evangelicals would make a statement like this or certainly have believed these things with or without this particular statement, right, right, and I, I think they felt it necessary that we, they, we, that they, we. Um, I actually ended up signing it online, uh, so I, I agree with with the statement. So I guess I could say we. Um, it's important that we affirm these truths because we're seeing culture bombard us, and we're really in a uh, a point in time where you know. Um, Evil's being applauded, and what's good is being discouraged. And the church, especially for the younger, you know, younger evangelicals, millennials are starting to waver. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even necessarily talking about we. We could argue 
in terms of pug, public policy, whether same-sex marriage or whether fighting same-sex marriage is good or you know a good point or not or something we need to not do in terms of politics. In terms mean. of politics and public policy, uh, but as far as a as far as theology, we all should be on the same page. But unfortunately, we're not. Um, well, relative to what you just said here, I, I, one of the things I like in the in the preamble is the stark. Um, assessment of where the world is going, which is, it says here, quote, the world that seems bent on ruin, yes. unquote. That's exactly what's going on here. The, the, the world is headed for destruction, a, a self-destruction, and yeah. it needs the salt and the light of the gospel absolutely. and the work of the Holy Spirit to turn it around. Uh, absolutely. Here's some, uh, one phrase that, that the left particularly... Uh, went ballistic over um, Article 10. They write, We affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism, and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality or transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which otherwise faithful Christians should agree to disagree. There's no middle ground here. That's a fact. It, it, and and this is not popular with culture, but if you're a Christian and you wink, wink, nod, nod to homosexual marriage, that is a sin. Period. You're affirming something that God says is sinful. Well, it's like we've talked about on the show before, too, Shane. Uh, this, is, this is, I'm not saying it's the only watershed, uh, but it is a watershed uh, with respect to the Christian faith. If, if you embrace same-sex marriage against the clear teaching of Scripture, as far as we are concerned, you are outside the bounds of orthodoxy. We will not, we will not say to you, you have a credible profession of faith. It's, it's one or the other. There are certain things that you, that you have to believe and not believe in order to maintain credibility to your profession. And right. if you deny the clear teaching of Scripture on this particular point, you're outside the bounds of orthodoxy. And again, I want to be clear that we're not talking about public policy and politics here. We're just talking about what your belief in what the Bible has to say about marriage. That's right. What is your theology? That? What's your theology? Inform you on this uh, particular subject. You're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and uh, this is Shane Vanderhart and Brian Myers, and we're talking about the Nashville Statement, if you're just tuning in. Uh, you know, another thing I want to point out, too, which is remarkable, the left, um, you know, I expected those who identify as evangelical that were on the left would kind of respond to this, but the um, the attention it got from LGBTQ activists and the political left is kind of remarkable in that this is not a public policy statement. It's not a call for a marriage amendment. It's not. It's not about politics at all. It's a simply. It's a theological statement. This is doctrine. It's doctrine. Yes. It's this is what we we believe about marriage, about human sexuality, about manhood, about womanhood. Uh, they particularly uh, they wanted to address um, transgenderism. They said, for instance, Article Five or Article Four, we affirm that divinely ordained differences between male and female reflect God's original creation design and are meant for human good and human 
flourishing. We deny that such differences are a result of the fall or, or a tragedy to be overcome. Article 5 also says we affirm that the dis- differences between male and female reproductive structures are integral to God's design for self-conception as, as male and female. It's also biology, too. I mean, now, Isn't this <laughs> shocking that, 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 that Christians would say something like this? Right. Shocking. I know, I know. So then we deny the physical anomalies and physiological uh, Psychological conditions nullify the God-appointed link between biological sex and self-conception as male and female. And then also, too, so we affirm that those born with a physical disorder of sex development are created in the image of God and have dignity and, and worth equal to all other image bearers. This is important to point out because people will lump, well, what about intersex folks? It's like, I, somebody who was born with that condition, I feel for this is this is different than gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, that's a biological condition, and and we need to, you know, we obviously it's it's this is a totally different thing than lumping it is a them totally in with different thing. the LGBTQ folks. They were they were li- literally born that way, um, so we have to, you know, we have to address that. Um, and the thing I also appreciate too, and we need to probably talk about some. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna end that. We need to talk about some of the the complaints about this jen hatmaker um darling of some in the evangelical world right tweeted out a couple of tweets said the fruit of the nashville statement is suffering rejection shame and despair the timing is callous beyond wor- words what's she talking about there with regard to the timing what's that about i i'm assuming charlottesville what does this have to do with Charlottesville? I have no idea. I think she's a moron anyway. But um, I am. <laughs> this is not. We're the, gonna we're gonna cut your mic off. When, today, when, pal. When, we, when we say moron, <laughs> this is not the type of moron we're looking for. Oh, okay. <laughs> then she also tweeted, "If the fruit of doctrine regularly and consistently creates shame, self harm, suicide, and broken hearts, families, and churches, we should listen." Uh, Babylon B, which is a gift, a treasure, <laughs> to Christian satire, uh, came up with a post. I, I wish I had the headline, but it's basically this: is like uh, Jen Hatmaker uh, lands an HGTV uh, gig on on uh, remaking Christian doctrine, <laughs> called remaking Christian doctrine, because. Uh, uh, Okay, and they reference this in the statement, speak truth in love, speak truth in love, speak truth in love. It's not loving not to speak the truth. It's all about the... You know what what is being missed here, among other things, is is Christ, when he's defining love, what's he say? If you love me, keep Keep my my commandments. commandments. Now, before some of these red-letter... Christians speak up and say Christ never addressed homosexuality. I'm I'm sorry, folks. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to repeat himself. He already stated those things in the Old Testament. He doesn't have to repeat them. And it's also quite clear that through the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, it was addressed again. Jesus Jesus talked about sexual immorality, and if you you render the Greek, it's talked about a whole host of things, including homosexuality. Well, you are right when you when you said, "Well, I won't repeat what you said about Ms. Hatmaker." Yeah, <laughs> I'll, look, I'll just put it this way: I think 
Rachel Held Evans and Jen Hatmaker are, as I said before, the, the, the darlings of some in the evangelical world, and they need to be ignored. Right. These two are trouble. And one last statement I think was very troubling. The Nashville mayor, Megan Barry, tweeted, uh, the organization's so-called Nashville statement is poorly named and does not re- represent the inclusive values of the city and the people of Nashville. <laughs> now, this is this is basically, I mean, this goes beyond, you know, church versus uh, separation of church and state. This is a statement of, uh, this is the state against the church. And she's basically saying, if you believe in, you know, marriage being between a man and a woman, if you believe the things in the Nashville statement, you do not reflect the values of people in Nashville. Yeah, and this, this ding-a-ling does not get to tell the church what the church is supposed to believe about Nashville, Scripture. Nashville, where the Southern Baptist Convention has a headquarters. Nashville, that's in the heart of the Bible Belt. Nashville, full of Christians. Hey, this is Cap'n A Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a second. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Every human being has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C., American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious liberty, uh, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans, and return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciples, P-L-E-S, Project.org. Sign up for their email updates and send a small donation their way. Help them out. They're a great group. And full disclosure, I work, I've work. i worked with them since 2010, so uh, I can vouch for them being a great group. 
Okay, now it's time, folks, for our news segment, otherwise affectionately known as News You Can Use. First up is from our own Caffeinated Thoughts. Apple comes to Iowa. It's an economic boon, but what else will it mean? Okay, Apple's recent announcement that it will invest $1.3 billion in Iowa for a new data center that has been touted by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds has Shane concerned, but not for economic reasons. There's no denying that the tech giant's presence in Iowa is an economic boon for the state, and in particular, the city of Waukee. Apple has already announced it will invest $100 million into a new youth sports complex in Waukee. Okay, Mr. Vanderhart, so where's your beef? Okay, two, well, two things. Um, well, and the first one really isn't a beef with Governor Reynolds. It's because I think she was using the tools in her toolbox. But the state legislature and Governor Reynolds needs to, they need to address uh bringing Iowa, improving Iowa's business tax climate. So we don't need to offer, because right now they offer $208 million tax incentives to bring Apple to Iowa. They've done similar things with Microsoft and with Google and with Facebook. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad these tech companies are starting to invest in Iowa. I think that's good for the economy. It's eventually, you know, it, it, it brings jobs, it, construction jobs as well as ongoing jobs. Uh, and you know it is an economic boon, but but they're picking they're picking winners and losers mm-hmm. when they do this. Uh, so let's even the playing field and let's, let's. I can't disagree with you there. So, but you know, again, until that happens, she's just she's doing what the only tool she's got in her and, toolbox. And this right is now. what Branstead uh, did before her, right? You know, so you know, don't blame her at all. Um, I am a little concerned. Uh, and, about Apple's presence in Iowa, mainly because of their ties to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and the fact that they have um, um, been been in opposition to different states' religious liberty uh, restoration acts or religious freedom restoration acts in Indiana as well as uh, Georgia. Um, I know that you, you could argue, though, Shane, that most of these major corporations are are moving leftward in their, in their policies. And absolutely, yeah. So it's not just Apple, but Apple's. You know, they they actually donated to the organization that lists Christian groups on as a hate. You know, on their hate map list. I think that was what a, a poor stupid taste. thing to do. I don't think I don't think they needed to give you know a couple million dollars to to that organization. I think it sends the absolute wrong message. My question for Governor Reynolds would be, are you going to stand for religious freedom or are you going to stand for, you know, big business when rubber meets the road and and we want to help uh, offer protections for uh, not just Christian business owners, but anyone. And I hope when the time comes, she'll do the right thing. Right. So um, 15 Ivy League professors give an incoming college freshman advice. And I, I... one of the, I, I know one of the professors involved, uh, Robert P. George of of Princeton University. He's a conservative thinker. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Actually, he started APP. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, he started American Principles Project. Um, I don't know uh, some of the other folks. I think you probably have people from both sides, both you know liberals and conservatives. But the advice was this: think for yourselves. Um, he says. Think for yourself. Now, that might sound easy, but you will find, as you may have discovered already in high school, that thinking for yourself can be a challenge. It always demands self-discipline and these days can require courage 
Today's climate, it's all too easy to allow your views and outlook to be shaped by dominant opinion on your campus or in the broader academic culture. The danger any student or faculty member faces today is falling into the vice of conformism, yielding to groupthink. At many colleges and universities, what John Stuart Mill called the tyranny of public opinion does more than merely discourage uh, students from dissenting from prevailing views on moral, political, and other types of questions. It leads them to suppose that dominant views are so obviously correct that only a bigot or a crank can question them. Since no one wants to be or be thought of as a bigot or or a crank, the easy, lazy way to proceed is by simply falling into line with campus orthodoxies. That is extremely well said. Yep. Don't do that. Think for yourself. And uh, he says thinking for yourself means questioning dominant ideas even when others insist on on their being treated as unquestionable. It means... Deciding what one believes not by conforming to fashionable opinions, fashionable opinions, but by taking the trouble to learn and honestly consider the strongest arguments to be advanced on both or all sides of questions, including arguments for positions that others revile and want to stigmatize and against positions others seek to in- immunize from critical scrutiny. The love of truth and desire to attain it should motivate you to think for yourself. The central point of a college education is seek truth and learn the skills and acquire the virtues necessary to be a lifelong truth seeker. Open-mindedness, critical thinking, and debate are essential to discovering truth. Moreover, they are our best antidotes for bigotry. And you, we've got the whole letter up at caffeinatethoughts.com if you want to read it, but it's think for yourself. That's good stuff. That's like, that's like the best advice you can give. And academia has turned into to a sewer, sort of, within a bubble. Yeah. And... And Robbie George is is spot on here. Okay, next up. This is from Ben Shapiro at National Review. On Sunday, as images from Hurricane Harvey stunned the nation, one particular image stuck out for many Americans as indicative of the heroism of Texas, excuse me, Texans, in the face of disaster. A picture of a man in a baseball cap carefully carrying a woman through the water. The woman, in turn holds close a baby curled up on her chest. The picture struck a chord with many people because it seems so instinctively right. The woman protecting her child, the man protecting the woman, carrying them all through danger. Mm -hmm. That turned out to be pretty controversial, in fact, on Facebook. We had uh, some people that weren't happy with this this sort of imagery that Shapiro is, is pointing out. So what do you think about this, Shane? I, I think he's absolutely right. Um, it, you know, the culture, especially feminist culture, does not, they don't like the idea of man as a protector at oh, all. Oh, yeah. That, at all. That goes nowhere with them. Yeah. I I tweeted this story out the other day, and I had a Democrat who said, oh, this is a straw man argument. No one thinks, you know, this is toxic. I'm like, I just, I did, I responded back. I'm like, you're joking, right? <laughs> I didn't want, I'm like, I'm not going to reply seriously to that. It's like, uh, if you don't think this is being said, that's then, right. Then I don't know what circles you're running in, but I, some of your feminist friends certainly think it's the last toxic. thing that they want to do is promote an image which shows the man as the hero, the man as the protector. Uh, it, it goes against everything that they believe in. And it seems absurd, of course, that we're worrying about that 
you know, given the fact that, that this woman and child are being carried to safety. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, I also think that, that this was this also showed some cultural diversity, too, because I believe. I, I guess oh, did I, it? Yeah, it was a white man with I, I don't know the the ethnicity of the woman and the child, but oh, they weren't they weren't white. I know I that. I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, I've seen numerous pictures of black men helping white children and. Vice so, versa, and it's so like, the image had the had the wrong sex and the wrong race, right? Being the hero, yeah. aha! I did not know. Probably this. being a white man was more controversial. I think I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but hey, Harvey. Anytime a natural disaster like this happens, we see what America is really all about. That's right. Hey, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Mommy, my tummy hurts. Can I stay home from school? You know she's not sick, and she loves school. You discover that she is afraid of a classmate. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. Bullying is on school's radars, and much is being done to combat it. But it's hard to stop all people from being mean. Sadly, some do not even realize the impact that their having fun at the expense of others can have. Truth is that bullying happens to people of all ages in a variety of environments, but the potential impact is similar. Distrust of people, fear, and even bitterness can develop, thus contributing to possible relationship problems. The Bible helps us remove bitterness, overcome fears, and provides directives for healthy relationships. If you are facing a bullying situation, call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465 or online at crosswalkcounseling.org. That kind of took me back to high school, man. Hey, we appreciate all of you listen. Don't forget to check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Actually, something easier yet to do, Google caffeinatedthoughts.com. If you want to see us on, on Facebook or on Twitter, check out our website. The easiest thing to do is Google caffeinatedthoughts.com. I mean, we literally are right up on top of the search listing. So if you don't remember the actual URL, because I know it's so hard to remember, just Google caffeinatedthoughts.com. I think you're digging a hole there, buddy. <laughs> Probably. And now, due to the incredible sheer volume of material we have available, because the leader of the free world loves Twitter, today we're once again ending the show with the top Trump tweet of the week. Brought to you in part by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. So now, without further ado, the top Trump Tweet of the Week! Where's the screaming and the hollering? These people are way too it's subdued. A, it's a holiday weekend. We couldn't only get oh, only a few people in today. Man. True, true. Yeah, we need to get a bigger rent-a-mob. Yeah, I have to shout, give President Trump a shout-out. His Twitter account has been mainly focused on Hurricane Harvey and, and other current events. Um, he'll he'll for, go fair, back to the craziness soon enough. Fairly benign. 
Well, this one is actually a retweet. Yes, we've never covered a retweet before. Yes, this is a Donald J. Trump retweet. This is from Dinesh D'Souza. Quote, Finally, as if by accident, the Washington Post's breaks down and admits the truth about where the violence is coming from. And here's the tweet that D'Souza is retweeting or quoting. This is from the Washington Post. Black-clad Antifa attack peaceful right-wing demonstrators in Berkeley. And that is an absolute uh, monumental admission. Even, Even Nancy Pelosi admitted it the other day. Yeah. Oh, my well, goodness. Well, here, here's the thing. Okay. And this is the difference, I think, between what happened in Charlottesville. Why it, it, you, you couldn't just say violence on both sides because because the the right the you know the death you, you had the death of of um, uh, and one of the white supremacists you know actually run down people. Most of the injuries happened as a result of. So this is totally separate from but, Charlottesville. Ha- but having said that, that's one person. In right. the midst of two big mobs. Right. So, I, I, anyway, go right. ahead. So, I, I, on one hand, I kind of have a problem with what Dinesh D'Souza said as far as admits the truth about where the violence is coming from. Um, no, the, the violence was, you know, in Charlottesville anyway, was was also coming from the white supremacists. And actually, there's evidence that, that you know, they were just as involved and just as guilty. But in this case... The, the, but in Berkeley... Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't white supremacy. This was just, as far as as I understand it, it was just a it was just basically a conservative gathering and, and Trump supporters, right? And this is the second time that Antifa have gone ballistic at Berkeley. Yes, and it's to the point I'm told that a number of the faculty at Berkeley are afraid. Wow, and they're, and they're making. They're making uh, contrivances, to, you know, in the case in the in the event that things get out of hand there, they're making arrangements uh, through one means or another to try to escape um, should things go crazy on campus again. I mean, it, it's absolutely insane that the faculty at Berkeley are afraid of these people as well. Anyway, absolutely true. And the and the rally was actually. Um Rally against hate. Interesting. Hey, this is Kevin. How to protest that? Yeah, this is Kevin. Thoughts Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.